You know, there are many Christians today who are wondering how this coronavirus fits into God's plans and Bible prophecy. And so this morning, we're going to ask another troubling question for God. God, how does this crisis fit into your plans? Your plans for my life and your plans for the world. Before we try to answer that question, let's just take a moment and pray for God's wisdom. Dear, dear Father, I, I pray uh, once again that you'll be with us uh, today. God, I, I pray that you'll speak to us through your word. And God, that our hearts and minds will be open uh, to your truth. God, help me as I present the message. But God, help me also to get out of the way of the message uh, that you might be heard uh, this morning. Again, work in these moments. It's our prayer in your son's name. Amen. In this pandemic, we are experiencing something that we've never experienced before. I mean, this coronavirus is causing illness and death around the world. Today, there are more than 5.8 million who have been infected by this virus and more than 360,000 who have died worldwide. And, and so it's only natural for us to wonder as believers... I mean, are we, living, are, are we living in the last days before the second coming? Are, are these terrible things that are happening, are, are, is this a sign that the world is coming to an end? There's a lot of di disagreement about how to answer the, those questions. See, there are some who see this pandemic as a clear sign of the end times, a sign that the Lord's return is near. And yet there are others who see this virus as one of many different catastrophes who will ha that will happen repeatedly until Jesus comes again. I have to tell you, I don't know the answer to such questions. I'm not, I'm not sure the Bible provides any real clear answers. That, that's probably the reason there is so much disagreement today among believers about signs in the end times. And so I choose instead to focus on what we do know from the Bible. And so this morning we're going to focus on some of Jesus' teaching in the 24th chapter of Matthew. I mean, the chapter begins with Jesus' disciples asking him some of the same questions that we're asking in light of this coronavirus. They were leaving the temple area there in Jerusalem. The disciples were noticing uh, all the, the beautiful buildings that made up the temple area. And Jesus tells them that the day is coming when the temple and all of these buildings are going to be destroyed. <laughs> and not one stone will be left above, uh, above another. And so that prompted some questions. And here are the questions in, in verse number 3. It says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? See, the disciples wanted to know when the temple would be destroyed. They wanted to know what would be the sign that would indicate the Lord's return, the sign that the end of the world has come. Those, again, are the similar questions to what we're asking <laughs> And so I want you to hear how Jesus answered their questions. 
And it might surprise you that he does not give any specific timetable or really any specific signs as we would expect or maybe as we would like. Instead, Jesus teaches them, and I think he teaches us, that, that there are ways that we should respond when crises come or when questions come into our life. Again, crises like the destruction of the temple are like the coronavirus. Jesus tells them and us that we should and shouldn't do certain things in response to these crises and these questions. And so Jesus begins with the negative, with what we shouldn't do. He emphasizes three things that we shouldn't do. First, Jesus tells us that we shouldn't be deceived. Just listen to Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. Jesus is warning his disciples that many would be deceived when Jesus returns. Many will be deceived as people wait for his return. He says that there will be those who will claim to know exactly when it's going to happen. There will even those who will claim that they are the Christ. <laughs> and sure enough, though, there have been those who have made those kind of claims down through the centuries. This week I read about a preacher named William Miller who predicted that the Lord was going to come in the year 1846. Through, through the interpretation of, uh, of prophecies and calculations, he had determined and had convinced hundreds of thousands of Christians in the United States that 1846 was going to be the year. But when 1846 came and went without Jesus' return, there was obviously great disappointment. And the sad truth was there was tens of thousands who fell away from their faith. That's why Jesus warns us when it comes to questions of the end times and the return of Christ, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by those who suggest that they have all the answers. Second, he tells us that we should not be alarmed. Traumatic events will happen repeatedly in the world, and we should not be alarmed by them. Look, look at Jesus' words, Matthew 24, 6 through 8. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. In these verses, Jesus lists three traumatic events, wars, famines, and earthquakes. And then he adds to that list in a parallel passage, Luke 21, verse number 11. He says, there will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilence in various places, and fearful events, and great signs from heaven. And so he adds the traumatic events of pestilence, fearful events, and great signs from heaven. And certainly the coronavirus would be in that category of pestilence and a fearful event, wouldn't it? But, but the Lord tells us that we should not be alarmed about any of these traumatic events. The end is still coming. These are just labor pains. 
These are just repeated warnings that the end is ahead. And so don't be alarmed. Don't even be alarmed if severe persecution comes because, again, that's going to happen repeatedly before Jesus, in, before Jesus comes again. Jesus makes that clear, verse number 9, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. People today, there are Christians hated for their faith in Jesus. There are Christians suffering today, as we've gathered here together, they're suffering for severe persecution and death. But even then, Jesus says, don't be alarmed. Such traumatic events are going to happen, but the end is still coming. And then third, Jesus tells us that we shouldn't be led astray. We shouldn't be led astray when other Christians fall away from the faith. Jesus warns us in Matthew 24, 10, at that time many will turn away from the faith and will, be, and will betray and hate each other. Let's face it, sometimes negative things happen in the church and sometimes those negative things have a way of turning people away from the faith. I mean, think about it. How many people has this congregation seen turn away from their faith through the years? How many times has there been betrayal and hatred? <laughs> but we should not let these negatives lead us astray. And we should not be led astray by false teachers. Verse number 11. And many false teachers will appear and deceive many people. Every generation has its false teachers deceiving people and leading people away from God and away from his truth. And we must not let these false teachers lead us away. We need to know the truth. We need to hold on to the truth. And people, we need to live the truth. And we shouldn't be led astray by an ungodly culture. Jesus warns in verse number 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. We live in a world, a world where we see wickedness on the increase and morals on the decrease. We see love growing cold and hatred heating up. And it would be easy for us to throw up our hands in frustration, wondering, what use is it? What use is it to try to keep doing good? What use is it to live for God? It's not making a difference. We might as well just give up. But Jesus tells us to hang in there. We, we shouldn't be deceived. We shouldn't be alarmed. And we shouldn't be led astray. And then Jesus turns his attention to the positive. He tells us some things that we should do in response to life crisis and questions. After emphasizing three things that we shouldn't do, he emphasized three things that we should do. Number one, Jesus tells us that we should stand firm in our faith. Jesus says in, in Matthew 24, verse 13, but he who stands firm in, to the end will be saved. He, he has warned us in these verses, the past verses, that there will be false teachers deceiving us. That there will be traumatic events troubling us. 
that there will be severe persecution confronting us, there will be church troubles discouraging us, and there will be wickedness frustrating us. But through it all, we must stand firm in our faith. We must stand firm to the end whenever the end is. I heard a story about a preacher who was on a cross-country flight. And during the flight, the pilot came on and warned the passengers that they needed to uh, fasten their seatbelts. They were expecting a little turbulence. But the little turbulence became a lot of turbulence. They, they ended up in the midst of a storm. Lightning was lighting up the dark sky. And cracks of thunder could be heard over the roar of the engines. Soon, the plane was like a ship on a rough sea. One moment, the plane was lifted up by the, the currents. The next moment, it dropped as if it was going to trash. The preacher confessed that, that he shared the discomfort and fear that was felt by the passengers around him. It seemed everyone was upset and alarmed. There were some people who were praying and many who were wondering if they were going to make it through. But, but then the preacher noticed a little girl. A little girl who was sitting there seemed totally unaffected by all the turbulence. She was just sitting in her seat, peacefully re reading a book that she had brought on the flight. And people, according to his story, I mean, it didn't matter how much the plane shook or the plane dropped. <laughs> she never expressed any fear or concern like the rest of the passengers. The minister could not understand how that was possible. And, and so when the flight was over, he went looking for the little girl. He talked to her about the storm and how calm she had been. And finally, he, he asked her why she was not afraid. And her answer was just real simple. Because my daddy's the pilot and he's taking me home. Jesus told us in this world we're going to have a lot of turbulence. We're going to have a lot of turbulence in our lives. But we need to remember that our heavenly daddy is the pilot. He is in control and he's taking us home. That's why we can stand firm even when major crises come into our lives. Even when we don't understand What's going on in our world? Second, Jesus tells us that we should share the good news of Christ. He tells us in verse number 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. If there is one thing, if there's one thing that God wants to see happen before Jesus returns, he wants, he wants the gospel of the kingdom, the message of salvation, to be shared with all people around the globe. See, when Jesus died on the cross for people's salvation, he died for all people. Not, not just for people like us, but for all people. Not just for Americans, but for all people. Jesus loves everyone. I learned that as a little kid in a song. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And he doesn't just love little children. <laughs> he, he loves everyone in the world, big or small. And Jesus does not want any of them to perish without him his son. The, 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 the apostle Peter wrote 
In 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We, as Jesus' disciples, can play a part in making that happen. We can be a part of sharing God's love. We can be a part of sharing Jesus' saving message, a part of bringing people to repentance, a part of preparing people for the Lord's return. Jesus never intended us for us just to sit and wait for the second coming. Instead, he intended for us to show his love and share his message, his good news of salvation. We need to hear God's words Echoing in our minds, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. One day the end will come and Jesus will return. One day our lives on this earth will be over. Until that day, we need to do everything that we can to share the good news of Christ with everyone we can. And then third, he tells us that we should be ready for his return. I think it's a major theme of this chapter. <laughs> Listen to what he says, Matthew 24, verses 42 through 44. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus makes it clear in these verses, and really in this chapter, that we will never know exactly when he's going to return. There are no Bible predictions that reveal the exact day. There are no calculations that you can make that will determine the exact timing. The, the second coming will be a surprise. The Son of Man will come at an hour when we do not expect him. According to Jesus, people will be living their lives that day, eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. <laughs> Men and women busy working. But Jesus will come as a thief in the night when we don't expect him. I want you to hear again those words, but understand this. If the owner of a house had known at what time of night the thief was going to come, he, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. A couple of months ago, someone stole some gift cards that we kept in a coupon box in, in our car. Sometime during the night, they got into our car. They checked out the glove compartment. It was open. They, they found the, the coupon box in the back. They left the coupons, but they, they took all the gift cards. Now, I'll tell you, Christy and I were upset about that. They, there were quite a, a few gift cards there. But, you know, in one sense, we had no one to blame but ourselves. I mean, the car was open. <laughs> the cards were there for the taking. We... we would have done things differently if we had known a thief was going to break in. I mean, again, we've done some things differently because we know a thief might break in. And maybe we need to do things differently in living our lives. We don't know when Jesus is going to break through the clouds and return. That's why Jesus says we need to keep watch. We need to be ready. It could happen at any time. For those of us who are believers, that means we need to live right with God. And for those 
of you who may not be believers, that means that you need to get right with God. This is a time when we need to stand firm in our faith, a time when we need to to share the good news of Christ, a time when we need to be ready, ready for the Lord's return. Well, let me share with you, uh, as we close here, some practical, some practical application. Three things I'd like to suggest that we need to do as a result of this morning's message. Number one, in light of Jesus' teachings, uh, evaluate your own response to this crisis. Note both what you're doing and what you're not doing. I mean, in light of this coronavirus, and I, I don't want to just think about, you know, what we're doing to, to protect ourselves and to protect others, but I'm talking about spiritually now. What, what are we doing? What are we not doing <laughs> in, in that regard? And then second of all, compare your responses to Jesus' preferred responses, what we've talked about this morning. Are, are you doing what you should not be doing? And are you not doing what you should be doing? I mean, are you being deceived? Are, are you being alarmed? Are, are, is this time a time that you're being led astray? Jesus says that's not where you should be. Are, are you standing firm in your faith? Are you sharing the good news of Christ? Are, are you living prepared for the second coming of Christ? Whenever it is, Jesus says that's where you should be. And so, last of all, just ask God's help in, in, in striving to avoid the negative responses to, to life's crisis and, and, and striving to implement the positive responses uh, in, in our lives. And as I shared with you before, I, I mean, this pandemic ha has given us as Christians an opportunity to give witness to Christ and our faith in him in, in difficult times. And, and so, again, I, I pray... Uh, for each of you individually, uh, that, that you have a relationship with Jesus. And, and, and I also pray that you're giving witness to that faith uh, in your daily lives. As we close in prayer this morning, I, I want to just take a moment. And uh, we, we need to pray for our nation. Uh, these are difficult days. Uh, there, there's, uh, again, writing going on different places around our country. And though we right here in central Illinois may be uh, not involved in that, um, it, it's a tough time. It, it, this has been a tough time for our nation. And, and so, God, I, I, we, we just need to be praying that God, again, uh, will work. Uh, that God will, again, give wisdom to leaders. And uh, God will, will bring some calm into a, a very troubled situation, just as I, I pray that he brings calm into our troubled lives. So let, let's, let's bow for a word of prayer. Dear, dear Father, we, we thank you uh, so very much for the relationship that we have with you. A relationship that, again, can calm us in, in the storm. Uh, calm us when the flights of life are taking us up and down. <laughs> right and left. And so, God, I, I pray that you'll just work in each of our lives. God, I, I pray that as, again, we continue to deal with this pandemic, you know, that, again, you'll give us wisdom, but you'll give us strength also to give witness uh, to your son, to give witness of his love, 
to give witness to his salvation. And so, God, again, just work in us. God, we are mindful today uh, of what's going on in, in our nation. Uh, again, where, where the answers lie, I, I, in some sense, the, the ultimate answer lies in, in you and in the peace that, that you can provide, in, in the love that, that you have shown, in the grace that you have extended. And so, God, I, I do pray for those who, uh, again, who are leading, uh, give them wisdom, knowledge, and grace. And God, I pray for those who, again, who are struggling right now. And God, I pray that you'll work also in their lives. And I, and I pray just as uh, God says in his word. Uh, we, we don't want anyone to perish. But we want everyone to come to repentance. We want everyone to know your son Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.